Welcome to Saturday Night at the Movies, the podcast that celebrates, contemplates, and sometimes criticizes current classic and cult films. I'm Steve Rubin. Our producer is Ben Shrewsbury, and we're on the Lock 22 Network. Here it's always Saturday night, and I'm pleased to welcome our guest tonight, film and television actor, producer, director, and comedy icon, Steve Gutenberg. Hi, Steve. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. You know, Steve and Steve, have you noticed, by the way, I don't know how many babies you've seen lately, but do babies, are babies ever named Steve anymore? Uh, I've, I've actually met a few little baby Steves and they're cute as hell. <laughs> well, you've met a, a few more than I have. I, I was thinking back, um, I'm a 1951 baby, so it wasn't Steve McQueen I was named after because um, his career started later in the 50s, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, in, my, in my homeroom class in high school, um, I must have had eight Steves. Oh, uh, yeah, of course, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Did you so, ever meet him? Me, no, no. I, I knew some people who knew him, and I worked with Allie McGraw, who was his wife at one point, so I knew them. I was uh, on the corner of Motor and... Um, Mentone near Palms uh, one day in 63 and I was riding my little Schwinn Stingray and uh, I hear a voice can you tell me where MGM Studios is and I turn around and I swear it was Steve McQueen in a Ferrari oh how cool <laughs> and we had a little conversation it was very very cool so I have to ask you this I ask a lot of my guests we're really into film history and stuff when you were a kid did you have a special movie theater you would go to in your neighborhood in New York? Was there one theater you patronized or was it a number of different ones? There were two, actually. When we lived in Flushing, Queens, I went to Fresh Meadows, which was a terrific movie theater, a great palace. And then when we moved to North Massapequa, Long Island, uh, I went to uh, the Mid-Island Mall for movies. I went on Hempstead Turnpike and... Uh, to a movie theater and also the, the Pequa, which was on Hicksville Road, uh, in which I was uh, also became an usher for a few months. Uh, so I, I've always loved the darkened theater where for two hours you could go to a different world or um, watch people tell the truth. Sure. So pretty terrific. And I, 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 I can, if, if I was asked what the first movie I could ever remember watching, I, I would tell people that I remember Ray Walston in a life raft in South Pacific. Uh, do you have a memory of one of your first film experiences that sticks out? Yeah, it was Hard Day's Night. That was really? the first, yeah, first movie theater I went to that I can remember. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was hooked and just loved going to the movies, went to the movies all the time. Was, was your was your family a good movie going uh, family? Did you go with the parents or just as a kid? Just as a kid, my, my parents didn't really have much time to go to the movies. Um, we uh, I do remember going to see The Exorcist when I think I was about 12 or 13 with my mom. Um, but no, we weren't regular moviegoers. Uh, we were more television and um, we all sat around the, the television, which galvanized our family a great deal sure sure i would assume that you really appreciated good comedy everything 
I'm actually comedies aren't my favorite genre. Um, I I enjoy thrillers. I love good thrillers, and I love noir, and I love drama, um, and um, and like everybody, I love comedy, but it's not my uh, it's not my first love. Well, you know, you have been such an iconic actor in so many franchises, and obviously many of them comedy. One of the things I'm a writer myself. I I write comedy, and I'm out there trying to pitch every day, and. I find that comedies become tougher than ever to sell. And, and when you look at the type of films that Hollywood is producing, they've seemed to have gone away from comedy on the feature front. Do you think there's a chance we can come back to getting feature comedy again? Because it seems like a lot of cinema is either epic Marvel world or very kind of grim end of the year uh, awards favorites. Every, everything comes back. Everything does. Um, it's it's a terrific conversation for the business to have the sitcom is dead the uh, the hour show is dead the anthology is dead the western is dead the space movie is dead the space television series is dead and then somebody makes something that works and then it's back so comedy will will be the king of the box office again of course it will everything you know the audience is uh, capricious so they get tired after a while and they want to see something new. Um, and it's really actually the audience doesn't make the decisions. It's the filmmakers who make the decisions. So the filmmakers get tired of doing thrillers or doing um, apocalyptic pictures or uh, super action or Marvel. You have to remember that in the fifties, the superhero movies were B movies. Batman was a, a C television series. Um, Superman was a B, a C television series. It was fun, but it wasn't, it wasn't cinema. So all of a sudden, you know, Universal had a big, giant backlog of superheroes. And they were all, you know, B movies. But all of a sudden now, superhero movies are, are A movies. And at one point, they'll go back to being C movies. And Westerns will be number one. And then they'll go back and they'll be space movies. And they'll be number one. Everything turns around. Everything comes back. Everything old is new again. Well, that's very a very, very uh, optimistic view. I, I hope you're right. I, I, my one worry is that the comedy filmmakers of yesteryear, uh, not yesteryear, but they're not making as many. I mean, uh, Judd Apatow seems to be cutting back. Woody Allen obviously is out of favor. Albert Brooks is doing drama. Steve Martin and Martin Short are on the road doing their two-man show. I just wonder where are the comedy filmmakers? I'm hoping that maybe a Steve Gutenberg is maybe can think about doing some comedy features, perhaps. Yeah, you, you know, it's, 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 yeah, absolutely. If, if I get into favor, um, then sure, I'll have the chance to direct a great comedy. Um, and there are so many funny people out there. Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman. And, you know, the list goes on and on. How many, Bill Burr. And there are really, really funny people out there. And, um, and, and many of them are going to make great comedies. Well, that, that's great, because I think that more than ever in the history of our country or our planet, I think people would appreciate a good laugh. People always do. It's just always great to have comedy. And, but the truth is, any picture, any film, any television show is welcome respite from 
the 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 reality of your world. It's a it's a terrific art form to disappear into. And same going for a novel, and same going for a beautiful piece of art, a great painting, or a great oil, a great watercolor. They're all distractions from life, and we need them. Uh, yep. So yep. you you you. I mean, we've never had more great. Well, we've had a lot of great television, but we've never had the amount of television. And when I say television, I mean mm, a screen in your home. To me, that's television. Unless you have a, a home theater where you have a 40-foot screen. I think that any of the, any of the, uh, any of the glass that we have hanging in our living rooms are televisions. And we've never had so much television to choose from, so much so much terrific television to choose oh, from. No, I, I agree 100%. In fact, my wife and I have trouble uh, trying to figure out where we are in certain series if we're getting away from them for a while. Um, I have to tell you that the first time I ever saw you, I was working on, uh, I was doing some film research in the Bahamas and I went to a theater that was playing the boys from Brazil. And wow. I have to tell you that your, I know your performance was only in the early part of the movie, but it was a very strong performance. And obviously talking about thrillers, uh, you know, scary as all hell. Uh, do you remember how you got that role? Yeah, I was actually in school at Albany State. And I got a call from my agent and he said, go down to New York City and have an audition with um, Frank Schaffner. And I jumped at it went down there and had a terrific meeting with uh, the producers, Marty Richards, who actually later on won an Academy Award for, uh, oh gee, he won a terrific Academy Award uh, uh, for Best Picture. Um, and not Cotton Club, but another picture. Anyway, I went down there and I auditioned and got the part. Um, and uh, a couple of months later, I was on a plane to Portugal. So they filmed uh, South America in Portugal. Correct, because it's Brazil. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. So they oh, that makes, makes perfect sense. Now, here you are in a Gregory Peck and Laurence Olivier movie, and you, you probably didn't get a chance to see them until the premiere, I would assume. No, actually, uh, Larry Olivier was pretty terrific. He wanted to be there for my off-camera. Really? He was. Yeah. And he made a, a, a point of me flying to Vienna to be, his, to be in his off-camera. Um, I grew pretty close with him. I also got to know Greg Peck pretty well, James Mason and Uta Hagen. I was very lucky. Oh, what a great introduction to the film business. And the fact that Mr. Olivier asked you or offered to be off-camera for you is a very huge touch of class. Yeah, yeah. He's a professional. Terrific professional. Were there, any, were there any particular challenges in running around Brazil in those sequences that you remember? You know, the only challenge I had was that I, I never had jet lag. I'd never left the United States. So when I flew to Portugal from New York, I was in my room for two days sleeping. You know, I was 17 years old, 18 years old. So I slept for two days and they literally had to knock the door down to wake me up and get me to work uh, for my first rehearsal. 
I interviewed Frank Schaffner for one of my books, and uh, he's kind of, I always thought of him as the modern Cecil B. DeMille, a guy who worked on a big canvas. And certainly yeah. the boys from Brazil is a pretty huge canvas. Um, well, let's get to get, let's get to Cocoon, uh, Cocoon which uh, was just such a wonderful film uh, on so many different levels. Um, now, you, I, I read in the research that it originally started out as a Robert Zemeckis film. And interestingly, according to what I read, Zemeckis' uh, Romancing the Stone film, which was his real first big feature, kind of was not testing well. So they got cold feet and they replaced him. Did you ever meet Zemeckis? I met Bob uh, socially, actually, on the beach with his wife. We were at a public beach. Will Rogers Beach. It was before he became very famous. So that's how I met him. I didn't meet him for the picture. No, I met Ron right away and Dick Zanuck. And uh, were they, uh, uh, was it a fairly quick audition? You got the role and off to glory? It was a, a great meeting. I didn't, they didn't need me to read. Um, and uh, I gave them my point of view of why I thought the movie was going to be great and why I thought I could do a great job. And it was between me and the great Nicolas Cage, um, who was doing a rowing movie at the time. Um, and, he, and he, you know, he is such an incredible actor um, that he would have been great in the role also. A lot of times, you know, it's 20 guys can play every role. So uh, I was very lucky that they, they chose me. Well, I think I obviously know his work. I know your work. I think they made the right choice. I, I think that you have a you have a brightness about you that I think Nick Nick can be more of a brooder at times. Although obviously he can be very funny too. I just saw Raising Arizona again recently, and he's yeah, he's very funny in that. Um, so he would have uh, been he would have been great. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that that's definitely good company. I mean, uh, Cocoon's a science fiction film. Did you go up, grow up with an interest in science fiction at all, or was it something that you didn't uh, particularly? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I loved Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, and I loved all the science fiction on television and some of the great movies. The day the Earth stood still, and uh, I enjoyed all kinds of two thousand. You know. Uh, uh, the Kubrick's movie and just uh, I, I love science fiction just love it it's very hopeful Ray, oh, I was yeah. a big Ray Bradbury reader so so of course I have to ask you the question have you ever seen a UFO I think I did I think I have a few times but it's never it's never presented itself to me that I could say I, I definitely did but um, I drive through the desert quite often from LA to Arizona to see my mom and dad. And I do see things in the desert that don't make sense, but I don't know what they are. Interesting that you should mention the desert because our family trip for many years when I was little was Vegas on Memorial Day. And the desert, it's just about the same time I was in those movie theaters watching science fiction movies, the re-releases for Kitty Matinees for The Day of the Earth Stood Still and Forbidden Planet, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, things like that. And I, I always associate the desert with UFOs, so it's not surprising that you're seeing things out there. Uh, so yeah. you, get, you get the role, you get to Cocoon. Um, the, most of it was shot in Florida, correct? Florida and the Bahamas, yeah. 
you have a, a, an amazing cast. Uh, once again, you're working with some icons. Um, what are your memories of uh, those wonderful actors you worked with, uh, starting with, uh, I'll mention, Hume Cronin? A million great memories. Hume Cronin was a very tough guy, a great boxer, and, um, and, very, uh, and a, a great writer, um, and a marvelous person. And his wife was just elegant and delightful. And Gwen Verdon was funny and juicy and full of life. And Maureen Stapleton had such gravitas and drama to her. And every word out of her mouth was, oh, like a, a symphony. Um, and Jack Guilford was adorable and very, very smart. And, oh, and Donna Michi was a superstar, a, a, a real live movie star who always dressed impeccably, even to go to work, stood ramrod straight, um, loved the horses and beautiful voice. And I always loved calling him the Amici phone because he was such a big star when he did the movie Alexander Graham Bell that society started calling the telephone the Amici phone. Um, and um, oh, I just could go on and on about the cast. Uh, it was, um, and, and Wilfred Brimley was, was a tough, oh, you know, a blacksmith from Utah and, uh, and very matter of fact. Um, and the youngest, I think he was in his early 50s when he did the movie. I know they, uh, they said they had to add some grayness to his mustache and his hair. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, what, what I think what was quite fascinating about this movie is we hadn't seen seniors in films for years. It was almost like they were forgotten. And yeah. all of a sudden we realized we have this great talent. I have to give the, the writer credit for creating such a wonderful screenplay. Well, you're working with Ron Howard. Ron Howard, to me, I mean, talk about somebody who grew up in the business on so many levels. Was it was it a sense you were working with a big kid? No, he's a he's a very mature, um, well-adjusted man, and he has a terrific kid inside him to enjoy um, fantasy and creating true emotions in imaginary circumstances. And he has a, a, an in, incredible mastery of the camera, story, and moments, and, um, and how to treat people. And I felt very, very uh, fortunate to work with such a talented guy. He's become some, one of our great filmmakers. I, my only complaint is I wish he did more comedy because he He's so adept at it. He's done some very serious movies of late. And like I was saying earlier about filmmakers kind of abandoning their comedy roots, it just, I wish he did some more comedies. Uh, you're the, uh, you, I'm sure you spent a lot of time with, um, with the aliens. Uh, I mean, you have such a rapport with Tony Welch as in, in the movie. And uh, what, what, how would you describe your relationship with her? I really like her. She's such a wonderful lady, really bright and seasoned and extremely pedigreed. Uh, talking about Steve McQueen, uh, Raquel Welch and Steve McQueen would spend a lot of time together. And that was Tony's mom. So she was around 
Hollywood royalty her whole life and good actors. She was a, another person who was very well adjusted. Um, and I found her to be friendly, giving, mysterious, coy, clever, cagey, funny, open, terrific. And, and, and um, Tyrone Power Jr., another guy who grew up with his father, who was a superstar um, and was just well-mannered and giving and, and terrifically polite and talented. So it was terrific. Great. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I was, I was four years old in the LA airport when we arrived from Chicago to visit some relatives. As my mother describes it, Tyrone Power Sr. was standing there and lifted me up in his arms for a few seconds, which uh, was like my mother was swooning, but uh, my father wasn't too happy. <laughs> no, he, was, he was pretty terrific. Hey, I, I got to run, Steve. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no. I, this, this, Steve, this has been great. One last quick question. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Brian Dennehy, I've worked with Brian Dennehy. He, he such a, was such a pro. Did you have a great time with him as well? I did. Really very well educated. He comes from also Long Island where I come from. And he went to Chaminade high school, which is a great, very privileged high school uh, pedigreed. Then he went to Columbia and he played football there. Uh, and of course he, and then he went into the Marines and he didn't really start his career until the Dudley Moore movie um, 10. 10 where he played the bartender. And then immediately he jumped off the screen. He didn't really start working until he was 35 or 40. And then he, he did Silverado and his career took off. Um, and uh, I love him and I miss him very much. Well, thank you for taking the time today. Everyone, we've been listening to Steve Gutenberg talking about his career and Cocoon. You've been listening to the Saturday Night at the Movie Show on the Lock 22 Network. I'm your host, Steve Rubin. Our producer is Ben Shrewsbury. We're on the Lock 22 Network. Thank you so much, Steve. Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. I appreciate it. You have, have a great day. day, and thank you for taking time to talk to me. Thank you so much, Steve. Take care. Bye-bye.